Good afternoon, everyone. If you have a Bible and you'd like to read along with me, I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 and following. The title of our message today is Man of Sorrows Acquainted with Grief. My name is Nathan Didlake. I'm the senior pastor of Manahawkin Baptist Church, and I am honored to be here in this fine assembly with friends. Uh, some of you I don't know, but I consider you friends, especially um, if you share the communion of saints that we have in our fellowship with the Lord. And as we consider this beautiful passage, this uh, horrifying and beautiful passage, I would invite you to see if you can locate yourself in the text, especially what, what the servant in the text is said to have done for us. And then how our great God has exalted the servant of Isaiah 52 and 53. Before we begin, let's pray. Lord God, I ask for grace and help right now. The reading of your word is an honor that you have bestowed upon your saints. And I ask that you would give us the heart and the mind of Christ. And to whomever is listening this morning, wherever they are and whatever they're doing, I ask that the word of Christ, and especially the word of his love for them, might break into the heart might break into the story and might break into the brokenness that is experienced, that they, this person has experienced. Lord, I am a person who has been saved. Mine is a story in which a Savior came to save me from sin. And the means by which he did that was becoming a servant on my behalf. And I ask for grace to make your word clear so that Christ might be exalted in our lives. In your name, amen. amen. Let's read Isaiah 52, verses 13 and following. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many, and as, many as were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle the nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told of them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has, what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened on his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like the sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, 
stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. And although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge and shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The word of the Lord. I grew up in a Presbyterian church, so customarily you would say, thanks be to God after that. Let's try again. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Excellent job. <laughs> the purpose of this sermon is to speak to people who are hurting right now and people who are suffering. If you are hurting right now and have experienced suffering, I plead with you to listen. And I want to boldly proclaim proudly as a Christian speaking freely the word of God, there is not a place in the world so broken that God is not willing to go there for hurting people. And there is no sin so grave, grave and so serious that God cannot reach into it to heal and to forgive and to cleanse. Perhaps you are the parent or a sibling of someone who is addicted to drugs and you're just waiting for the police to call with bad news, or perhaps you're using right now, and for whatever reason, to cope or to stay afloat, to feel something. Maybe you're scraping pennies to get by, or maybe you're not getting by, but are stuck in an endless cycle of the embarrassment of having to ask for help and wait and see if it would come. Maybe you've done something illegal and are hoping in desperation that no one will find out. Or perhaps you're a man and woman agonizing over the decision to abort a baby you now wish you could hold in your arms. Dear friends, there is no place in the world so broken that God isn't willing to go there to care for people that are hurting. And there is no sin so great that God cannot reach in to heal and forgive and to cleanse. There are experiences and actions which will shake us and change us on a fundamental level and we might look around and ask, if this can exist in this world, God must not exist in it. Are his arms long enough to reach in and to pull me out? Or am I lost in this wreckage? Am I lost as a burning pile of flesh and bones and terrible memories? There is not a place in the world so broken that God isn't willing to go there to help hurting people. And there is no sin so serious that God cannot reach in to heal and to forgive and to cleanse. And Jesus proves this. Isaiah 53. Consider it with me. This is a line, these are lines of prophetic poetry. And they're the story of a person that the text entitles, My Servant. And we learn later in the New Testament that My Servant refers to Jesus and to the ministry of service that He would provide to God and to us. And it's not just the ministry that's encapsulated in the cross, but it's a ministry that's encapsulated by the whole of Jesus' time on earth and the cross and the resurrection and his exaltation and his session and his glorious return. In his life and his death, 
Jesus, the one Isaiah 53 calls my servant, graphically carries on himself the suffering of those who suffer so that they might be free. Let's look at Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. And let's see how the servant would carry our suffering on himself. It says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did that just say? Jesus bears on his own shoulders your grief. Jesus carried on himself your sorrow. We thought he was being punished by God for, sin, for his sins, which is what it means when it says we esteemed him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. But he wasn't being stricken because of his sins. He was willfully taking on himself our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We receive peace because he was disciplined in our place. And by his wounds, we are healed. Hear that again. You can be healed because he took a wound on himself. We are like a bunch of scattered sheep. Have you ever seen scattered sheep? Very hard to wrangle up. And we are like them, scattered around and unable to find our way. But there was a sheep upon whom the Lord laid the iniquity of us all. And I want to ask you, what wounds are you hiding today? What are the painful memories that you wish you could go back and erase? What are the things that you've done that you wish you could go back and undo? Or what are the things that have been done to you that you wish had never, you'd never experienced? To friend, Jesus came to bear that terrible burden for you. Whether it was something you did or something that was done to you, there is not a place in the world so broken that God is not willing to go there to help hurting people and to carry them. And there is no sin so serious that God cannot reach in to heal and to forgive and to cleanse. Hear it. We have our list of the worst kinds of sins. And God says, I forgive it all. And I cleanse it all. And I love you all. You may have been told that God cannot forgive something. Perhaps a family member of a friend or a friend told you that. Perhaps you've even told, been told this by, by someone in a church. That's, that your previous sins are shameful instead of covered by the grace of God. You may have even attended a church that taught that some sins are acceptable and then some sins will send you straight to hell. As if God accepts the person who gossips all day long but only rejects those who struggle with their sexuality. And it's simply not true. You might have been told that there are some memories that God cannot heal. And not to undermine the consequence of those memories, but perhaps it was communicated to you as you suffered, as people offered well-intentioned advice to you on how to handle things and then forgot about you, that there was suffering that you must carry alone, 
all by yourself in this life. Or perhaps you found there were certain kinds of suffering that nobody really even knew how to talk about. Perhaps even in a church, when you came to somebody with help for a problem, they just didn't have any answers and sent you on your way. If you are suffering, and if you're a member of the human race, that means you have suffered quite a bit in this life. But if you are suffering gravely, hear me when I proclaim that Jesus does not turn away people who are broken to the core and have experienced or have done the worst of things. He reaches in to the pit. He cares for them. He heals them. He hurts with them. He pulls them out. He walks with them. He carries them. And he never lets them go. Matthew 8 says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Think about it. Demon-possessed people found grace in the presence of God, so why not you? People who had no recourse and no reason to even stand in the presence of God were welcomed with open arms, healed and given a loaf of bread, probably, because he loves them. Because that was the job of the suffering servant, was to carry upon himself the wounds that others couldn't carry by themselves. Central to Jesus' ministry was to meet those who were suffering with terrors of all kinds and to bear upon himself that suffering so that they could be free. Isaiah 53, 7-9 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like sheep that is before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of his people, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he opened not his mouth. While he was on the cross, people turned to him as if the willing suffering that he was taking upon himself proved that he wasn't the Messiah. And they mocked him thinking that the suffering servant must prove that this one couldn't be the Son of God. They said, in Matthew 27, it's recorded, those who passed by derided him, wagging his head, wagging their heads, saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. They had no clue that he would not save himself so that others could be saved. They had no idea that the very thing they were ridiculing was the thing that made him the servant sent by God to bear the sin of the people of this world. So how can this ancient story help us today? Here's how it helps you. He didn't just carry your weight. He dealt with it eternally in his death and resurrection so that you can rest assured that nothing that hurts you now will hurt you forever. The memories that plague you, you will outlast because the King of Heaven carried upon Himself the sins of the world, died, and was raised. 
He dealt with them, which is why you can be free. You can have a clean conscience because the king of the universe is not ashamed to call you his friend, having carried upon himself every grief and guilt that is yours. And Isaiah 53 ends with a vision of an exalted servant, having carried upon himself the grief and guilt, having count, been counted among the dead, he has attained eternal glory. Now seated on the, on the throne of heaven is the king of the universe, the son of God, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the suffering servant suffers no more. He has been glorified. And so we see in verses 10 through 12, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. It was the will of the Lord to prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And that's you. By his suffering, the righteous one will account many righteous. You may be walking into the room guilty as can be. But if you let the suffering servant, Jesus, carry your guilt, you are counted righteous in Christ. And then it ends in verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him with a portion among the many, and he shall divide his spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for transgressors. I love that last verse. It's the image of a victorious warrior coming into town and everyone seeing what he has done and then him receiving the spoils of war. I will divide with him a portion with the many and he will divide the spoil with the strong. And what gives Jesus this victory? He was poured out. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered among transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for us. He did that before any of us were born. And he is not ashamed to welcome you into his presence. So this is why suffering people can cry out. Can you save my heavy, dirty soul for me? He most assuredly can. John the Baptist says in John 21, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Philip, when he's explaining to the eunuch along the way, after reading Isaiah 53, which we just read, the eunuch says, about whom does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning with Scripture told him the good news about Jesus. How here was a one who bore on himself the sins of many so that they might be free. And since Jesus is the suffering servant who, rejected our, who carried our burdens, we can run to him knowing that he will not reject us. Hebrews 4.14 and following says, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore, with confidence, let us draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace in time of need. And so I ask you, friend, wherever you are, wherever you are, Take a look at Jesus. Here is one who is not ashamed to welcome you into his presence. Society may condemn you, but he doesn't condemn you because he took condemnation on himself. And he offers you freedom. Not a free pass as we would understand it, but freedom because 
everything that you would carry, he willfully places on his own back so that there's no hell on earth so fiery that he's not willing to run in there to get you out. Know that this man of sorrows is acquainted with grief and you can run to him to find help and grace in time of need. Let's pray. Lord, for my friends and myself, glorify your name by carrying our hurts. I know that the words of a person, myself, or any one of these people only go so far, but the words of the tender heart of Christ that says to a person who's broken, it's okay, I love you. I know that's not much for me to say it, but when you say it to the heart, it changes everything. And so for whoever is hearing this, and for whatever they're harboring and hiding, a memory they've done or something that was done to them, carry their suffering, carry their grief. Show them that you can carry it. Show them that you have carried it. And show them that you set free anyone who comes to you, even with the deepest kinds of pain. We glorify and honor you, Jesus, risen Savior. You are the glorified King of the universe. And you do, you do not reject anyone who comes to you for help. Thank you. In your name, amen.